you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. Hey, uh, good morning. It's uh, good to see everybody and uh, joining us online. If you grab your Bible, uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 15 uh, this morning. And, uh, you know, the downside of not being awakened is you, you, can miss, you can miss something in life, right? If you're sound asleep when you should be awake, you might miss uh, an appointment, an opportunity in life. It reminds me of a story of a, uh, of a couple uh, who kind of got sideways with each other. Uh, have you ever gotten sideways, kind of upset with your significant other? You know what I'm talking about? And you decide you're going to play the little uh, silent treatment, and, and you're not going to give in. You're not, you're not going to say anything to her uh, until she says something to you. And you say, I'm not going to say anything to him until he says something to me, right? And you play that whole silent treatment, right? So he had a very important um, a business meeting in a different state, and so he had to get out of Ocala, go down to uh, Orlando, and catch a flight early in the morning at 5 a.m., so he was determined he was not going to break the, the, the dreaded silence. So he wrote his wife a note. I have an important business meeting. I need, to, I need you to wake me up at 5 a.m. so I don't miss my flight, right? And so he, he left it there on the nightstand. Well, the next morning, he wakes up at 9 a.m. He misses his flight. He notices on the nightstand there's a note from his wife. It's 5 a.m., it's time for you to wake up to go to the airport. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I hope uh, starting today and kind of going next several weeks to, to awaken us to what God is, is saying in our lives. So we don't miss um, who God is, what he's doing. Um, you know, when it comes to our relationship with God, there's, there's a phrase that talks about God's favor, Right? And it's kind of a, um, uh, an irrelevant question if I were to ask you, do you want God's favor on your life? Of course, everybody says, I want God's favor on my, I want God's favor on my kids, my grandkids, and all that. The more challenging question is, is how do you have God's favor? Sometimes we live our lives and we look at what's going on in that person's life and we say, my goodness, it's all going good for them. And man, look at my life and I don't know what's, I don't know what's going on. And so this morning, what I hope for us to kind of lean into God's word is, is, is what does it really require to have God's favor on our life? And, and can we be awakened to what this is? So you got your Bible. Notice what it says in, in uh, verse number number one chapter 15 verse verse one Samuel says to Saul so let me give you the context Samuel is the prophet Saul has been anointed by God as the very first king of of Israel pretty significant you would say God's favor is on is on Saul I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over this people of Israel so listen now to the message from the Lord this is what the Lord Almighty wants I will punish the Amicalites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up out of Egypt. Remember the whole story, Ten Commandments story, Charlton Heston, let my people go, right? And they're leaving Egypt, going to the promised land. There's a group of people called the Amicalites, and they were always harassing. They were always terrorizing the Israelites. And Moses and Joshua wanted to annihilate them. God wouldn't let it. God said, I'm going to take care of them people. In my time, I'm going to take care of them. 
we find God in his time, hundreds of years later, taking care of the Amicalites. And so let me just say, you might be praying to God for something, for someone, and it hasn't happened yet. You need to know you are praying to the ultimate promise keeper. It might not be happening in your time, but God is faithful. God is not slack concerning his promises. He's showing us in his word this morning how in his time he's going to take care of the Amicalites. But notice what happens next. Verse 2, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I will punish the Amicalites for what they did to Israel. Verse 3, now go attack the Amicalites and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. In other words, Saul, your job as king, get the military together and go after the Amicalites. I want you to destroy everything. Now, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 meaning just a little bit, 10 meaning everything, when God says destroy everything, what number is it? Well, you're all thinking about this, okay? <laughs> um, so, like, if, if, if you obey God 99% of the time, have you obeyed God? Are you sure? I mean, come on, doesn't God grade on a curve? I mean, isn't he the kumbaya God, right? Kumbaya, my Lord. I mean, doesn't he kind of, isn't it kind of okay to kind of do partial God, but not all God? Well, we're going to find out. Look what your Bible says. Verse 4, so Saul summoned the men and mustered them at Tilium, 200,000 foot soldiers, and he goes after them. Look at verse 7. Then Saul attacked the Amicalites all the way from Hevila to Shur to the east of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amicalites, alive and all his people. He totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the cattle the fat calves and the lambs, everything that was good, these they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Did Saul obey God? No, right? Would you, would you agree? Can we agree on this in our Bible study that God said, you're supposed to destroy everybody, and he, and, and he didn't, right? Now, notice what happens next in our Bible. Look at uh, verse, verse number 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I'm grieved that I have made Saul king, because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled, and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up, and he went to meet Saul, but he was old, and Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument to his own honor and his turned and gone down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. Look, look how he's acting as if nothing's wrong. The Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. True or false? Fake news? Right? He hadn't, he hadn't fully obeyed, right? Hey, 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 how many of us are partially obeying God? It's not that you don't fully, you, you, you love God, you know that he's God, there's the Bible and everything, but you know what, I mean, you're, I mean, you're allowed to have a couple vices, you're allowed to have a few things, right, that you kind of do your own way. Let's see, let's see how that works out for Saul. <laughs> but look what happens in verse 14. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of the cattle that I hear? <laughs> Saul answers, the soldiers did it. Is that not just humans? My wife did it. My kids did it. The Democrats did it. The Republicans did it, right? That person did it. 
the soldiers, the soldiers, right, brought them from the Amicalites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. In other words, God, we disobeyed you for you. The reason we didn't fully obey you is because we wanted to have all these good sheep to offer up as a sacrifice to you. I mean, God, I disobeyed you because of you. <laughs> That's right, right? Go all the way back to the garden. Uh, excuse me, God, the reason I disobeyed you, Adam said, is because of this woman that you created. My life was just fine, and then you created her, right? This is so, so human. <laughs> Look at verse 16. Stop, Samuel says to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and, you, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amicalites. Make war on them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? One more time. <laughs> Look how he denies it. This becomes a pattern. A pattern in Saul's life. And I'm going to show you a pattern in the nation of Israel's life. May I suggest a pattern in our lives and greater this morning, prophetically, a pattern in our country's life. But I did obey the Lord, verse 20, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amicalites and brought back. Did he obey God again? No, he didn't completely destroy them. Notice again, verse 21, he's blaming the soldiers. The soldiers did it. They took sheep and cattle from them. That's, that's become our culture. We are the way that we are because of those guys, them, them people. Notice verse 22. But Samuel replied, and this is what I hope to awaken our hearts to, individually, as a church, and as a country. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord. And here it is. To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. And so what do you do in life when, when life doesn't go exactly how you want it to go? And we would agree 2020 has been that kind of a year. What do you do? How do you respond to God when things? That's what's happening in Samuel's life. Things have not gone. He's, he isn't in control of Saul. Saul has acted in a way that was irresponsible. It's bringing a consequence now on the entire nation of Israel. And Samuel is grieved about it. How do you act in a way when somebody else has done something and now it brings a consequence even on, on you? Well, let's look over in chapter 16. Look what your Bible says. Look at verse 1. The Lord says to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn? In other words, how long are you going to have a pity party? How long are you going to stay grumpy for Saul? Since I have rejected him as king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be the king. Notice verse 2. But Sam says, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and it will kill me, and he will kill me. You know, when things don't go our way, we have a tendency at times to resist God. Wait, wait a second, God, I, I, I can't go do that. 
this fearful thing might, might happen to me. I, I can't obey God because if I obey God, then look what, look, look, look what Saul might do to me. There was a story of a little girl who was resisting her daddy. Her daddy was telling her to sit on the couch, stop twirling around and messing around. I need you to sit still. Any parent ever try to tell their child to sit still? You know what I'm talking about, right, right? And she was resisting that. She had the, 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 the you know, the giggles and, and, and the, she just didn't want to sit down. Finally, he gets that dad voice, you know what I'm talking about, sit down in that chair right now. And so she does. She sits in that, on, on the chair. But then she looks at her dad and says, I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. Huh. Huh. Hey, hey, how many of us are that way with God a lot of times? We're kind of conforming on the outside, but on the inside, wait, Samuel is resisting. I, 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 I can't go. I, I, God, if I went and did this, he's resisting. Now, you might be here this morning, you're like, Mark, I, I'm not, I, I, I really don't resist God. Here, look at, look at verse number six. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. In other words, you might not be resisting God, but you, <laughs> you try to modify God's plans. Let me help you out, God. It is 2020. Maybe you got a lot of problems going on all over the world. God, let me just help you out a little bit. Here's Eliab. God said, Samuel, I'll show you which one. But Samuel began to think, you know what? I got this figured out. I wonder how many of us, you're not resisting God's plans, but you sure try to modify God's plans. I wonder as a, as, as, as a, as a country, you'd say, well, I don't know that we resist God's plans. I mean, don't we have you know, in our Pledge of Allegiance, one nation under God, isn't that proof positive, right, kind of a thing, right? It doesn't it say in God we trust on our, on our money? Maybe we're not resisting God's plan, but I think we could agree in many places we have tried to modify God's plans. Ultimately, notice what Samuel does. The Bible says in verse 8, Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass before Samuel. But Samuel said, uh, this is not who the Lord has chosen. Verse 9, Jesse then had Shammah pass, but Samuel said, this is not the one. Ultimately, verse 10, seven of the sons passed before Samuel, but Samuel says, hey, none of, none of these boys has God chosen. Verse 11, so he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you've had? Well, then Jesse says, well, there still is the youngest. Jesse answered, but he's tending sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy and a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And understand relationally, it's like the ultimate. It's, I mean, if, if any of you, who, who's, who's an older brother? Or who, let me ask it this way, who has a younger brother or sister? Right? And you get passed over, and the youngest, the Rudy, the person who's out there in the field doing the, the menial job of taking care of the sheep, he gets the anointing, and you're kind of like, oh my goodness, what's going on? The pressure that was on Samuel to obey God 
and to anoint David, who was the least. And I'm telling you, in life, there is great pressure to obey God. Particularly in the culture and dynamics in which we were born in the United States of America. It's not that we have a disbelief in God. It's that we've kind of added God to our total belief systems. We've got our academic We've got our intellectual, we've got our family, we've got our culture, and we kind of sprinkle God in all that rather than understanding that the favor of God is complete obedience to God. Saul lost the favor of God because he chose to disobey God. And so what I want to do in our time remaining is give you a few suggestions of how you can have the favor of God on your life. And I also want to begin outlining, because so many people have asked me since the beginning of, of March, when we had to move from being in person to being online, people keep asking the number one question, in person, even this week, you know, uh, at, the, at the Art Walk, downtown Ocala, hey, what do you think, pastor? Is this the end times? Are we living in the end times? What's going on kind of a deal? And um, I, I've, I've been hesitant um, because here's the deal. At the end of the day, no matter what season we are in, Jesus Christ is our hope. All those signs that you saw all over the parking lot, that Jesus 2020 is our only hope. No matter what happens in any given day, no matter what the news are, the weather, circumstances, Jesus Christ is our blessed hope. I have hope today as, a, as being alive because of Jesus. And if I were to take my last breath, I still have hope all because of Jesus. But what I hope to do today is to outline for you how you can have the favor of God. I want the favor of God on you. I want the favor of God on me. God tells us. God told Saul. God told the nation of Israel. I'm going to suggest to you that God even shared that with the United States of America. And there is also a timeline. I want us to be awakened to the timeline that we find ourselves in 2020. So here's some things, if you want to jot them down, just some big, big ideas uh, from a guy named Mark. How, how to obey God, enjoying his favor. Here, go back, I shared with you, it'll be on the big screen. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Samuel said to Saul, although you once were small in your own eyes, in other words, he was humble, did you not become, were you not elevated to the head of the tribes of Israel? Along the way, Saul began to think, I'm the king of Israel because of me. What I know, what I do, what I think, what I can accomplish. In other words, he no longer remained humble before God. If you want God's favor, it starts with us remaining humble. Understand, the only reason that you are is because God created you. Every human being that is alive today is not a result of a man and woman. Yes, there is biology involved, but ultimately God says, I want to create you. I want you to be in this universe. All the blessings. Listen, I know you have worked hard. I know you went to school and education and all the different things, but ultimately all the blessings and favor that you enjoy today is because the almighty hand of God has favored you and blessed you even the country in which you were born. I understand that there's some confusion. There's some debate today about the United States of America, how we were founded, the, the founding document of the, the Constitution. 
decisions that our forefathers made to give some people full unalienable rights and denied to black people those same unalienable rights. And, and, and that's, a, that's a stain. But that doc, there was nothing wrong with that document. There's only been two civilizations, two civilizations in all of the history of mankind that have built their civilization on Jehovah, God of the Bible. First, of course, is Israel. We understand Genesis chapter 12. God had a covenant with Abraham. And all throughout, Abraham and his sons Isaac and Jacob and the 12 tribes and and all throughout the time, this nation of Israel, God has had a relationship with with them. God brings the, the prophets, Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Micah and Amos, and all throughout, like Saul, we see this pattern, we see this template where they became prideful. They were no longer humble. We are, we are the children of God. He's the one that rescued us out of Egypt. He's the one that took us across the River Jordan. He's the one that has protected us from our enemies. He, he's the one, and they, they turned, and God would raise up the prophets, and the prophets would come to Israel and say, you need to repent. You need to turn, because they had lost their sense of humility. You and I, if we want the favor of God, it starts by having this attitude of humility. When this young country was founded, there was a revolutionary war. We were declaring our independence from the greatest military power the world had known, Great Britain. I said this in the first gathering. I asked the question. Quite frankly, I was surprised that only 3% of the male population in the founding colonies fought against the Revolutionary War. Now, others, others supported the work, but ultimately it was 3%. Now, think about it. 3% of the men in a fledging colony fought against the greatest military power. It was God in his favor that allowed the United States. You go all throughout our, 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 our history, and I would suggest to you that like Saul... Many of us have come to a point, even as Christ followers, we kind of got to a point where we, you know, we've become prideful. What do we really need God for? Do we really need to pray in our daily bread? I, I mean, even when a storm's coming, I was talking to somebody after the first gathering, you know, when our storm's coming, we're, we're probably more likely to check out the Weather Channel or Mike's Facebook page to find out where that storm's coming from than bending our knee towards God. I'm just, I'm suggesting that if we really want God's favor, the template in the Bible begins with humility. Notice James chapter 4 and verse 6. But he, that's God, gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. James chapter 4, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety. Maybe the reason that our anxiety hasn't left us and we need a pill is because we really don't have humility. We think we can still fix ourselves. Or you think that the pill can fix you. I'm just talking about having God's, God's favor in this template that starts with Saul and then it begins to follow in the nation of Israel. They lost their sense of humility. And I would suggest to you that many of us individually and collectively as a country, we've lost our sense of humility, humbling ourselves before God. What do we need God for? We got the greatest military power that's ever existed. 
What do we need God for? We are the economic hub of the entire world. We are the United States of America. Let me offer a second thing. This might be the hardest thing for us to consider together this morning. I think it starts with remaining humble before God. But here, here's the secret sauce. It's what we alluded to earlier in our call to worship. We've got to repent from partial obedience. We, we, we've got to come back to a point where we understand that just like Saul, Saul lost the favor of God because he partially, he, he destroyed every, all the Amicalites except for their king, Agog, and all their choice animals. But partial disobedience, or partial obedience is 100% disobedience. And I realize that I'm, I'm climbing uphill right now. Many of you are looking at me like, okay, you can say that all day you want, Mark, but I know this, God, 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 God's merciful. God's filled with grace, and he grades on a curve. Then please help me understand why he gave this to us in his word. Please help me understand that when Israel did not turn back, Israel in their pride, and because Israel refused to repent, they did not turn back to God. God allowed them to be completely destroyed by the Assyrians and the Babylonians in 586 B.C., and they did not become a nation They did not become a civilization collectively again until 1948. God is speaking to us that partial obedience remains 100% disobedience. We are convinced that we can partially obey God. I know I love her and I know she loves me and I know what the Bible says about marriage, but we're going to live together first because it's better financially for us. You can fill in with whatever example. God raised up the prophets to warn Israel, to turn and to repent. We're going to go through a journey, 20 days of prayer and 20 days of of Bible reading. And my hope is to awaken you what God is doing. Not what a Republican's doing, not what a Democrat's doing, not what an independent's doing, not what a socialist is doing, is not what a capitalism is doing. If, if you read the Bible app this morning, you know the Bible verse for today in Ephesians chapter 6 is we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We don't fight against some other human entity. We wrestle against principalities. I hope as your pastor to awaken you, and I realize I have an uphill battle because we're going to read through different portions of Scripture, but we're also as a church going to read through the entire book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Why? Because he stood before Israel, and he warned them of what was coming, and they said, listen, we ain't got time for that. We got MCYF football. We got our 401k to grow. We got our company. Hey, don't you know it? We got Halloween coming up. We got Thanksgiving. We've got Christmas shopping to do. There is college football. I hope to awaken your heart and your mind to see the timeline in which we find ourselves living today. I said to you before earlier this year that as a young pastor in September 2001, I disobeyed God. The events that had happened on 9-11 and leading into that first Sunday and people in little western Pennsylvania flocked back to the church like they flocked back in all churches. People came back on 9-11, but I believe as spiritual leaders, we missed what God was doing. I believe the United States of America missed what God was calling us to do. You see, in ancient Israel, again, only two civilizations had been built on the word of God. God would allow foreign adversaries to come against Israel to call them to repentance. 
But I will teach you in coming days how Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 10, Israel and Judah would stiff their neck, and when the destruction would come, they would push back against the adversary and say, we will build bigger and greater. You might tear down our sycamore trees, we will rebuild with cedar trees. You might tear down our bricks, we will bring hewn stones. In other words, Israel came to a place where they thought that they were invincible. They didn't need God no more. I believe September 11th, 2001, was not an attack that called for retaliation. I believe God allowed it to happen to call America to repentance. And we've missed it. From September 11th, 2001, to where we are now in October 2020, we have gone even farther away from God. It's interesting. Someone might just say, well, is 9-11 random? I am going to unpack for you over the coming weeks and days things that have happened, people. I'm not saying that any person has acted as if they knew what 9-11 was. I'm not saying a politician or a terrorist or anybody else. I, I believe that what I want to show you is the timeline of Almighty God and where we are living in the ultimate timeline of God. I don't believe that 9-11 was some random moment. I think it was a call, just like God called Israel to repentance. Samuel was calling Saul to repentance. God's calling us to repentance. The Bible talks about how God, when he allowed the enemy, Babylon and Assyria, that they would come through the gates. That was the entranceway in, in, the, in the Old Testament. That the, 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 the tall towers would be knocked down. That the, the walls of defense, the, the walls that would defend against the enemy coming in, they would be destroyed. In 9-11, as the terrorists came through the walls of gates, let me ask you a question. Um, the gate to America, statistically, historically, where is it? New York City. 60% of Americans can tie their family entrance in through. There was a man named Hudson. Anybody know what the name of the river that, that runs up on the side of, of, of Manhattan is called? What river it is? The Hudson River. You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, anybody want to take a guess what the date was that Mr. Hudson found what we now call the tip? When he came, he was a, he was a Dutch traveler. The tip of Manhattan. You want to guess what the date was? September 11th, 1609. Random? Do you understand that the, the United States of America never, never desired to be a, a world superpower in military? That's very much recent history. Uh, up until even the Second World War, we had no desire to be even involved. You know, we, we were neutral. We were not going to be a part of the Second World War. And um, they, were, they were talking. We weren't a world power. At that point, the idea was we need to at least have some building where our generals and, and military leaders can come and kind of have their workspace, right? And so there was something in Washington. There's a building in Washington, D.C. Anybody know the name of that building? The Pentagon, right? Any, anybody want to guess what the day of the groundbreaking was for the Pentagon? And by the way, I can't wait. Some of you are, some of you are, are Google fact-checking me right now. Have at it. September 11th, 1941. 
you think that the reason we were in, in the World War II was because of what happened at Pearl Harbor. Do you know that one year earlier, Germany officially declared war against the United States of America? There is a declaration of war against Germany. The president, President Roosevelt, he was giving speeches along the way. America was very torn as far as whether or not we were going to be in that war or not be in that war. And when Germany wrote their official declaration of war against the United States, they cited a date. They cited a speech of President Roosevelt. Anybody want to guess what date that was? September the 11th, 1941. And when that date happened, we saw it as a date of retaliation. That's Saddam Hussein. We're going to go in and butt all that. Kind of, and we missed what God was saying. He was not calling us to retaliate. He was, causing us, he was calling us to repentance. But just like Isaiah chapter 9, verse 10, I'm going to show you what President Obama wrote on a white beam that now is encased at the top of the One World Trade Center. And it's right out of the Bible. I'm not saying that president understood or knew what he was doing. I'm not saying he did anything wrong. What I am saying is that God is up to something in our world. He has always been up to something. And he's calling you and I, even as American citizens, to wake up and to understand we are a part of a bigger story. And that story is to be in right relationship with our almighty God. Amen is right. Let me just give you something to walk out the door with. I'm going to share all kinds of things in the coming days and weeks. Here's the third thing. So we, we, we got to start with, we, we, got to, we got to remain humble. God's calling us to repentance. This, this whole idea of partial obedience, this whole idea, and listen, I'm glad that you're all here. Like, I love y'all. You got up, and quote, unquote, it's raining outside. How many times have you heard a pastor stand up on a stage like this? You probably haven't heard it from me so much, but you've heard it from a pastor who kind of congratulates you you got up this morning and it's raining and you came to church what the jabezies are we really going to pat ourselves on the back because it was raining outside and now listen if you're sheltering at home in place because of the coronavirus you're fine but if there's conviction because you didn't want to get out and get wet i'm just there's repentance we coming back to a point where we are all in in what it means to follow after Jesus. We're going to talk about that. Here's the last thing, right? You got to believe that obeying God is the better way. The reason we don't obey God is we don't believe it's the better way. We believe living how I want to live. What I think, what I say, my opinions, that that's the better way. At some point, we got to pivot. Saul didn't believe that fully obeying God was the better way to live, and it cost him the favor of God. Israel did not believe that obeying God was the better way to live, and it cost them. I'm going to show you from the Bible. Although the United States of America is not Israel, we cannot claim all the promises and privilege as the children of God. We built our, our society, we built our culture, we built this civilization on the foundation, on the template between Israel and God. 
1 Samuel 15, the Bible says, But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Ephesians 5 and 6, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Now listen, I'm all in to Jesus' grace, and I'm all about His mercy, and I'm all about His forgiveness. But we have forgotten all those things. If there's no justice, if there's no judgment on what's sinful and what's disobedient, then grace is shallow, and mercy is insignificant. It's the other side of that. What makes grace so grace is one day God is going to judge and destroy all disobedience. We've got to pray 2 Timothy chapter 4 because we have become the kind of people we, we just want to hear something that's nice and flowing and how everything's going to work out and be just right. That's why I have been trying to teach you with every fiber in my being, whether it being online or in person, that we are missing what God is doing in 2020 if you think we're just supposed to go through this and get to 21. What if what's in front of us in 21 and 22 and 23 is 300 times worse than 20? My, my, my role is not to get your blessed assurance prepared for your couch and what comes out on Netflix next. My role is to teach and to preach in such a way that you understand that God wants to favor you. God wants to favor your family. God wants to favor your marriage. God wants to favor our country. But it comes through obedience. You've got to believe that obeying God is the best. I'm just telling you, I'm all in. It doesn't mean that I haven't disobeyed. When I, when, I, when I do, then the conviction of the Holy Spirit says, Mark Cummins, what are you doing? And what's awesome about that, Rich, is immediately I can repent, turn, confess my mess up, and he cleanses me from all of that. He's calling us. I'm talking about awakening from struggling to becoming spiritually strong. You've got to believe it. <laughs> Jeremiah 38, which we'll, we're going to spend 20 days in the book of Jeremiah. Look what it says. They will not hand you over, Jeremiah replied. Obey the Lord. He's, he's teaching to the people. Obey the Lord by doing what I tell you. Then it will go well with you, and your life will be spared. Only if they would have believed the prophet. We have a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. Read it. It's all because they decided not to obey God, and they lamented at the pain and the suffering. And I know some of you, you're like, Mark, I'm all about the New Testament. What does Jesus say? Look at Luke chapter 11 and 28. He replied, Jesus replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. The revival that our country needs doesn't take place on November the 3rd. It takes place when all across our churches, we hear God's word and we walk out and we live God's word. We... we we hear that God created every man in his image, so we see people whose skin color is different than us, and we treat them the same way. We give, we give in-group love to out-group people. Yeah. Interesting. Let me close with this, and I'll give us an invitation. <clears throat> I am not standing to tell you I know the exact mind of God. I'm just trying to unpack the Bible for you and in the times in which we live. The initial invasion that came to Judah happened in 605 B.C. God allowed them to besiege through the gates. 
knocked down their towers and rammed through their walls. That happened in 605 BC. But, it, but Judah was not completely destroyed. God gave them a space of time for repentance. But they didn't repent. They decided that they didn't need God. And in 586, God sent the Babylonians back a second time. And they flattened Judah. Sent them as exiles all throughout their land. And it wasn't until 1948 that Israel ever came together again. Now let me ask you a question. How many years between 605 BC, BC, so the numbers get smaller, 605 BC and 586? Somebody tell me. How many years? 19 years. September the 11th happened in 2000 and, help me out, 2001. And what year are you living today? And by the way, it's COVID. I'm telling you, our almighty God is shouting in your ears. He is calling you as a Christ follower to repentance. He's calling you if you are lost and have no hope of heaven. He is calling you for salvation. He is calling the United States of America to turn from SEC football to God, to turn from the Republican Party to God, to turn from Democrats to God. The only hope we have is his name is Jesus. And it's time some of us begin to understand we need to repent. The next several weeks are going to be fun. I cannot wait to unpack all that God is, is sharing. But you know what? That's for next week. So would you stand with me? I want to pray over you. I want to give you maybe a thing or two to work on during the week. Number, number one, to those of you who are in small groups, um, I, I hope you have a lively small group. Maybe it, it is time. Listen, I'm in a small group, much like your small group. Someone's got to start rising up in our small groups and saying, listen, we ain't talking about sports no more. Somebody needs to start saying, show up on time, because what we're talking about is more important than all this other fully. We've got, I'm just telling you, we've got to prepare ourselves. Saul did not prepare himself, and how'd that go for him? The nation of Israel did not prepare themselves. Our own country, our own lives. So in your small groups, if you're not in a small group, are, are, are we have any staff anywhere helping me? Are we, are we setting up, is it 63566? How, how does someone get in a, Someone, Emily, someone who's out there, someone help me. Can you put something on the screen? Help them up here. Put something on the screen so they know, know what to do. You got to get in a small group. I'm, I'm just, uh, uh, um, wow. Can't make this stuff up. I can't wait to get, hear from you, coach, when you tell me, you know what? I didn't believe what you said. I wouldn't fact checked it. Do you know what? Some of the things I shared with you about September 11th, who was that a first here for? You've never heard any of those, any of that before. A bunch of you? Some of you heard that, but you, you, knew, you knew Hudson found the tip of, the, of Manhattan? Well, you gotta raise your hand then, man. I bet dollars to donuts, you heard things today you hadn't heard. No, I, you need to look it up. It's right. That whole piece I was studying last night, I, wasn't, I was not gonna talk about... Um, President Roosevelt, I had no idea. Forgive me for falling asleep in history class. I didn't know that Germany declared war on the United States. I thought it was all a Japan thing, then we got involved over there and all that kind of stuff. Go to the Declaration of War. 
September 11th. Wait till I unpack to you about the decision that was made in Albany, New York in 1970, later the decision that was made in the Supreme Court in 1973, and how they're connected to the two Twin Towers. Oh my goodness. Wait till I unpack to you what was going on in the nation of Israel and what they were doing to their children then in 686 and what we're doing to our children today in 2020. Oh my. Now, no one should be scared because our God is in... Some of you are laughing like, really? After dropping that on me, Mark? I mean, really? I get it. I, trust me, I've met a couple times like, oh my goodness. Right? But, but that Bible, ma'am, that you're holding that book, everything's right there for us. God, God is in us. God is with us. God is for us. He's going to guide us. We have nothing to be afraid of. I need to land this, Rich. So I'm going to pray over you. If you're here or you're watching online and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, I encourage you to start today. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, today. That little kind of voice in your heart, your mind, your spirit that says like Mark's talking to you, that's the spirit of God. He's calling. You don't wake up one day and say, you know what, I think today I'll decide to be a Christ follower. It's cray-cray to follow Jesus. You know, you're making a decision to follow a dead man who lived 2,000 years ago and history says he became alive again. Most of the world doesn't believe that. It is the spirit of the living God that would cause you to believe that. And if the spirit of God is causing you to believe that today, I want you to pray with me in this prayer, okay? And the second invitation to all of us who are Christ followers. With you and your God, are, are you resisting him? Are you trying to modify what he's doing? Or are you all in and obeying him? And whatever the spirit reveals to you of maybe where you haven't been obeying him, man, just repent. Just repent in this space, in this time, and say, I'm going to trust you 100%. Okay? And then this week, you're going to be in a small group. You're going to read Deuteronomy chapter 28. I double-dog dare you to read Deuteronomy. I'm telling you, Nick, I double-dog dare you right now to read Deuteronomy chapter 28 for seven days. Moses, way before what I showed you today, Moses outlined for Israel, here's what's going to happen. If you obey God, this is what life will look like. It will describe an America you used to remember. If you choose to disobey God, this is what life will look like. Deuteronomy 28, Bob, every single day. Janice won't let you get away with it, I guarantee you. God, I love you. Thank you for these precious men and women. My heart is so full for them, for us. You are such a good God. You are good to Saul. You're good to Israel. You've been good to our country. You've been good to us in so many ways. And we haven't fully obeyed you. So I'm asking right now, Holy Spirit, fall on all Christ Christians, all Christ followers, and show us where we have resisted you. Show us where we've tried to modify you. And Holy Spirit, will you convict us to repent and fully obey you? And then Holy Spirit, I ask, as Christians are talking to you right now, online and in this space, I'm asking you, God, if there's a man or woman who's watching online, if there's someone in this space who's never begun a relationship, and that's you, would you right now ask Christ to save you? You could pray this. Dear Jesus, it's me. I've sinned. I know it. But today, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And three days later, became alive again. 
And I'm inviting you, Jesus, to become the Savior of my life. And to those who are praying that prayer, welcome to God's family in this house or online. I'd love for you to use that Hope in Ocala, the 63566. Let me know about your decision today. I'd like to connect with you and help you to grow. Father, we love you. Thank you for what you've started on this day. Stir us, awaken us to your favor. Awaken us to your timeline. That we might see the work that you're doing. That we might be that generation of men and women who walk around with joy, unspeakable, filled with mercy and grace to point all around us to see that you are the true and living God. Favor them as they walk in obedience. According to your will, gather us back again a week from now. We can open up your word, continue to discover who you are and what you're doing for such a time as this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Peace.